The other big thing we're announcing today, um, we started uh, signups last week. Community groups are kicking back off here in a few weeks. That's right. So if you... If you don't know what community groups are, these are the way, this is the way that we as Westside live into the imperatives of what it means to be a disciple. That sounds complicated, but it's real simple. We meet in, in individual homes throughout the area every week around a meal, around a Bible, and around prayer. It's real simple. So, but this is what we see as central to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It, community groups embody who we are. It's the way we're molded into Christ's image, and it's the way we facilitate God's mission in the world. And what's really important is that that's core to what it means to be a disciple, is that it's done in a group of people that are carrying these things out. And here's really why it matters. We know through reading the scriptures is that we're saved personally, but we're never saved individually. And the same thing is, is how we become a disciple of Jesus. We're, that takes place personally, but never individually. It's no more possible to be a disciple of Jesus on your own, attending a one-hour service on Sunday, as it is to carry out a Beethoven quartet all by yourself. It's just not something you can do. So that's why it's important. Here's what you need to do. Go to westsidepb.org. That's our west, website. As I said last week, don't go to .com. It's Westside Paint and Auto Body in Florida. Westsidepb.org, go to the top right-hand corner, after you scroll down a little bit, click community groups, and you'll go in there and you'll choose the night of the week that works best for you. Click that night, go down, join this group, it's that easy. But if for some reason you've had trouble this week getting signed up, or you don't have an email, or you just need some help with that, I'll be out at the lobby afterward, we can get you signed up for a group going forward. That's your next step, that's the first thing you do. Now September 8th is our kickoff night. Kickoff right here, uh, September 8th, 6 p.m., Please, don't just show up for that group without having signed up. Take some time. and the, the time it took me to make this announcement, you could have signed up for a group. It's that quick. It's really easy. So September 8th, 6 p.m., right here. So, again, this season we're slotted for fresh signups across the board. So if you were a member of a group last time, you're not going to be automatically placed in a group. Please go on, on the website and sign up for groups. Um, okay, that's it. Welcome, Center. Now, please direct your attention to the reading of God's Word. It's Acts 1, first chapter of Acts, verses 1 to 11, on page 1006 in your pew Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible this morning, there should be a white paperback Bible in the pew in front of you. Feel free to use that. Acts is the first book after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 1. Once you're there, say, we crown him Lord of all. All right, let's begin. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into the heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will he come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven? This is the word of the Lord. Please direct your attention to the screen. The President of the United States. These are extraordinary times, and we face an extraordinary challenge. We have the great church, the body of Christ, but it has its local branches all over. And one may be called Lutheran, one may be Baptist, one may be Presbyterian, whatever the name may be. If it's a place where Christ is preached, if it's a place where Christ is exalted, we are to go there and give it everything we have in the work of the church. Three, two, one, zero, zero, and liftoff, liftoff. Americans return to space as Discovery clears the tower. Good morning, and we're glad that you're here this morning, Westside, as we continue in our vision series. And what we do this morning is we start what we do um, every time this year. And what we do is we take a look at who we are um, as a church, what God has been doing, and what God has in store for us in the future. And if it's your first time here, welcome. This is a great Sunday for you to be here. And if you're here, you know now why we have two services um, at Westside. And so we're thankful that you're here today as we come together as one church um, under one one roof, and these are always special times for me. But as we look at sort of a vision series and what it is for us as a church and where we're going, we're sort of accustomed to this um, here in the United States. And there's multiple times a year where as the leader of our country sort of stands up and does just this, says, here's where we've been, here's where we are, and here's where we are going. And there's actually written in the Constitution a thing called the State of the Union. And what the President of the United States does is he stands and gives a state of the union of the states and then gives a vision as to where his plan is to take them. The very first one that was given was given by George Washington on January 8, 1790 in New York City, which marked the very first state of the union address. What's interesting is when you look back upon history, there's only been a few presidents who have called for special State of the Union addresses. Most of the time this happens either after the presidency at the first of the year in January, but there's been a few times in presidential history where history has come together with such important times that they have called together a special State of the Union. That happened on May 25th, 1961, when then-President John F. Kennedy called together a special State of the Union, which you saw a clip of. And as he addressed Congress, he said these words, The Constitution imposes upon me the obligation from time to time to get... Do you see what I'm doing right there? I'm a, okay, right? 
from time to time to give to Congress information of the State of the Union. While has traditionally been interpreted as an annual affair, this tradition has been broken. This tradition has been broken in extraordinary times. And these, these are extraordinary times. And we, as the United States, we face an extraordinary challenge. He said those words in the height of the civil rights movement, the race to the moon. And I think if we were to look at, and if Jesus were to come to give a state of the church address, and to survey church as we know it, the called out people of God, the body of Christ, as Billy Graham thundered in that 1962 revival, doesn't matter what name is on the side of the building, but those who declare Jesus Christ to be the Son of God and the only way to the Father and the only payment for salvation, the church, the body of Jesus Christ. If he were to give a state of the church, there would be a little bit of heartbreak because I believe, Westside, that these are extraordinary times in 2019. That as you look, recent studies will give you a plethora of statistics, but the majority of the statistics would say this, that 87% of churches are either plateaued or declining. 87%. And what we know of as, quote, mega churches that have more than 10,000 people in attendance barely make up 2% of churches here in the United States. 87% of churches. And then 6,000 churches this year will lock their doors and put a for sale sign out in the yard. 6,000 churches. And it's actually probably close to eight. Is this what Jesus meant when he said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it? You see, because I believe that as the world grows darker, that the church actually shines brighter. And for us as a body at Westside Church of God, there are extraordinary things that are taking place for us. We just had our annual business meeting where we surveyed what God has done. And for us at Westside, this past year, our average attendance was 351. We are up 14% now to an average of 400 people on Sunday morning. So congratulations, Westside. It's incredible. As we look back last year, everybody always asks, well, your attendance is up. How about your giving? <laughs> Glad you asked, because we're actually up 22% from last year. Yeah. And that's a shout out to the younger generation because there's always odds between the older generation and the younger generation who say, oh yeah, they come, but can they put their money where their mouth is? Ha, ha, ha. And the reality is this, that when you understand the extraordinary times that we live in and you understand the extraordinary challenges that we face, but when you proclaim Jesus Christ as the only answer, extraordinary things happen. And listen, that is only to the testament to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is it. 
And so for us as a church, over this next month in September, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at these extraordinary times. And man, I just wish... I just wish the Bible was practical enough to help us out as a growing church to let us know what we need to be doing as a, grow, as a growing church in order to do extraordinary things for God in these extraordinary times. I just wish the Bible was practical and that we could actually learn, and there actually is, believe it or not. It is the book of Acts. What we see in the book of Acts is the birth of the church. And we see extraordinary things take place. But here's what's interesting. Here's what we don't have to do as a body of believers, Westside. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to sit around with a whiteboard and go, man, I wonder what programs we should do. I wonder what good ideas we should have. But rather what we actually do is we look back in order to go forward. Have you ever, like, have you ever seen like, the, uh, the, the commercials for the Ancestry.com thing? You ever seen that before, right? Some of you guys sent in your DNA and you're like, what, right? You're like, oh my goodness, no, right? And what you do is you realize who you are today by going back and looking at your heritage and your history. That is what the book of Acts is for us as believers, We see literally our DNA, our history as what it is to be a body of believers who come together under the banner of Jesus Christ. And listen, here's what we realize, and we say this at our connection class all the time. Listen, we are not the first church, and you are not the first church member. You're not awesome. Welcome to Westside. We are so glad that you're here, okay? But it is not all about you, and it is not all about me, but rather what we see is when you keep Jesus Christ at the center, extraordinary things take place. And what we're going to be doing over these next weeks is, as we survey sort of a 30,000-foot view of the book of Acts, we're going to pull out five words that are going to guide us through the entire year. These words are going to be up everywhere. You're going to see them. They are going to be our markers for us as a church. No matter what we do, no matter where we're going, no matter what we're trying to accomplish, we are going to go back to these words to keep us tethered to let us know that we are on the mission that God has for us. And I bet you can't guess what the first word is. I just wish we had a sign that lit up, right? So it'd hold your attention, right? To glorify. What we see in Acts chapter 1 is the very first thing, the very first foundation for us. And the big idea for us today is this, is that the goal of the church, the goal of the church is to glorify Christ. That's it. The goal of the church is to glorify Christ. Listen, look up here. It is not that complicated. That's it. That, that literally the goal of the church, the whole mission of the church is to make much of and to point to Jesus Christ with everything. And, and I know what you're saying, glorify, that's not like a 2019 word. It's not like, you know, you went and had a meal and you were like, oh man, glorify, that meal was glorious, right? But actually, we, we know what it is. We know what it is to glorify. We just don't ever put it in the right context. I mean, yesterday, I was like many of you, turned on the TV, and it was the first thrust of college football, right? And we saw stadiums filled. And here's what I always love. This is always my favorite, right? Whenever you see guys going nuts, (laughs) right? 
Everybody says, we don't know how to worship, but you get a guy in Green Bay who's shirtless and has letters written on him, right? Listen, that, that's an act of worship. That's an act of to glorify, right? And whenever you think of glory, listen, kids, it, listen, it's not that complicated. Whenever you think of glorify or to worship, I want you to think of this. I want you to think of this. You know why? Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above His handiwork. That when the wind blows through those pine trees and when you stand next to the ocean or at the base of that mountain, that literally nature is shouting at you to look up. That there is a creator, that everything in your life, listen, this is the goal of the church. The point of Westside is to point to Christ. That's it. The point of your life is to point to, listen, I need the jelly on the bottom shelf, okay? I need a foam finger to get the point across and all of that. But everything that we do as a church, no matter what the program is, no matter where we're heading, no matter what it is, is to point to Christ, to glorify. But there's a question that we have to ask. Everybody agrees with yes, we point to Jesus. The goal of the church is to glorify Christ. There should be a question that you should have in your mind right now. How? How do we do that? Everybody agrees with that, but yet the difference happens with how that is accomplished. In Acts chapter 1, there's really two things that we see for us as a church to kick off this series that the goal of Westside is to glorify Christ. And we see two things. We have to have right priorities and we have to have right power. The first thing that we see is this. Have your eyes on Scripture is right priorities. Luke is the writer of Acts. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, which is a biography of Jesus. So maybe you're a non-believer in here. You don't really know, like, you're like, oh my goodness, there's so many questions, like dinosaurs or something like that. That's where people always start, right? My, my suggestion to you is Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Grab one of those. Those are like the biographies of Jesus. I would recommend Luke, if you're a non-believer, and just read that and read all about Jesus. And what Luke is doing is he started and wrote Jesus' biography, but now he's continuing. And did you see that he addresses to Theophilus? Here's what's interesting. Theophilus was probably an extremely wealthy, sort of maybe agnostic, non-believer, who's this Jesus, Jesus guy. So he hires Luke as an investigative journalist, literally, to go around and interview eyewitnesses and all of this stuff about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Luke gives hard evidence all the time. And he's writing to Theophilus saying, listen, I wrote that first book, and now this is the continuation of what that guy did in that first book. And he says this, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that, what's, what's the word right there? Hey, check this out. I studied this this week. This is crazy. Every one of these verses in verses 1 through 11 either explicitly mention Jesus or mention Jesus by him, by the work that he did. Listen, look, look up here. The very first 11 verses of the history of the church include Jesus' name in every one of them. Every one of them. Listen, it is all about Christ. That's it. That is all we have. I've given my life to this, man. This is not a hobby. 
It is all about Christ because I firmly believe that when you meet Jesus, listen to me, I believe that when you meet Jesus that you can change. Listen, I believe that people can change. I don't believe it's pretty. I believe it kind of looks like a car wreck in the beginning, right? But I really believe that people can change. And when Luke does this, he mentions Jesus every single verse. And he says, in order to understand the church and the mission of the church, Theophilus, you have to understand Jesus. You've got to understand Jesus. And here's what we understand about Jesus. He tells us right here in the verse verse, Jesus began to do and to teach. To do and to teach. This is what theologians call the works of Jesus and the words of Jesus. They go together like peanut butter and jelly, right? Like chicken and waffles, okay? It is the works of Jesus and the words of Jesus that you can never separate these two. So the first thing that we have to have as a priority as a church is the works of Jesus. That what Jesus did. And what did Jesus do? Well, people always say, well, you know, he... He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. Absolutely. Absolutely, Jesus did that. Remember that one time he fed the 5,000 with the kids' lunchable? That was cool. That was great, right? And then he went up to a blind guy, and the blind guy like, came up to Jesus, and, the blind, and Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Well, I'm blind. <laughs> you, know, I, like, you know, so Jesus did some incredible stuff. It was awesome, but, but, There was a point to that. Remember, it all points to something. And then Jesus says this to the Pharisees in Luke's gospel. Luke's gospel, he says this. And Jesus answered them, To those who are well, they have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, here it is, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's the work. And it is seen through loving acts. But listen, it's not just the loving acts. It's not just feeding. It's not just clothing. And then it's just like pray, be well, see you later. But there's a reason for that. That that points to something. And everything that we see in the works of Christ is to call a broken creation back to its creator. Constantly. All the time. That it's to come Home, But look at what Luke says, that Jesus, and then what's the next word? Jesus, in verse 1, Jesus began to do. I got so jacked reading that this week. You know what it doesn't say? What Jesus did. That refers to past tense. That refers to that it's done. But rather what Jesus began to do and continues to do through his church. That is what the book of Acts is. It's the continuation of the work of Jesus Christ, listen, through ordinary, broken people. That's what's so extraordinary about this. That in times like this, when political climates are so high, when opinions are a dime a dozen, when everything is taking place, God is using ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. And the priority that the church of Jesus Christ must have is to continue in the work of Jesus Christ. That it's going to the marginalized, that it's going to the people of society, that the people of society said, you have no place in society. 
society. I mean, do you know what Jesus was criticized for? Who is this man who eats with prostitutes, tax collectors, and sinners? And everybody wants to talk like Jesus until you walk like Jesus. Westside is welcome to everybody. Everybody. You know why? Because you're in this joint. (laughs) Give me a break, man. Gosh. Everyone is welcome, and our goal is to point you to Christ. Listen, we'll be very unapologetic. Our goal is to call you to repentance because we believe that it is the goodness and kindness of God that leads us to change our direction. Our priority at Westside is to continue in the works of Jesus. But it's not just the works. It's also the words. It's the words. And that's where everybody has a problem, right? Hey, hey, uh, maybe you've seen this. It's actually wrong. It's this like meme thing that goes around that says, preach the gospel at all times, brother. Use words if necessary. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life, okay? That is ridiculous, okay? They ascribe it to St. Francis of Assisi who never said it. I'll cite you the whole context of when he said it, okay? Because, hey, guess what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, That the power is found in the words. That's why we don't put all the verses up on the screen. We want you to have your Bible in your hand because I'm making my point from the words. That That the power is found in the very words of God. And I just wish that Luke would have told us what Jesus' words were, what he taught. Oh yeah, verse three, check this out. For 40 days speaking about the kingdom of God. That's it. Lord, teach us to pray. Don't pray like the hypocrites and the Pharisees, but then pray then like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God on earth. And it is found through his submitted people who have bowed the knee. Listen, Christians, don't get it twisted. You do not live in a democratic republic. You live in a monarchy. And Jesus Christ is king whether you voted or not. It is the kingdom of God. The rule and reign. And do you know this week what I just so desired as I saw everything taking place in the news? You know, there are certain times in history that are known for certain things. We just saw the 60s, the civil rights movement landing on the moon, Um, you know, the birthing of the Internet, all types of things. And do you know what probably 2019 is going to be known for in history is the great chicken sandwich debate. (laughs) Wow, Lord save us, right? It all started on Twitter when Wendy's and Popeye's are going at it and who has the best chicken sandwich. And then here's what's crazy. Some of you guys have even voiced this on social media, right? Y'all were like, let me try this. You rolled up to Popeye's and they are sold out of chicken sandwiches and y'all are mad about it, right? Like I tried it. I'm not the, I don't like the sauce. I like a spicy chicken sandwich, but I'm getting older. And so I tried the Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich, almost messed around, caught a gallbladder attack, okay? (laughs) I just, things have changed for me in life, all right? So I'm going to stick with the Lord's chicken and all that good stuff, all right? But you know what I thought, and listen, this is just how the Lord speaks to me, okay? You know what I thought this week as I watched all of this stuff going around about, it's not just an explanation about the debate on the chicken sandwich. People had to go and experience it. 
And what if people were explaining the church and the gospel so much that people were beating down the doors to experience Christ? A chicken sandwich. But rather the only hope of salvation found in no other name other than Jesus Christ that people can change. And that it's not just through an explanation. Because listen, many of us end up on one side of the ditch on the road. It's either always only the works of Jesus and social justice and all of this. And then some of us are got our pocket protectors and our end times maps. And it's all about the words of Jesus and it's all about this. But rather, it's not just something that we explain. It's also something that is experienced. This is the message that we see that literally changed the Roman Empire. The book of Acts in Christianity birthed under the boot of the Roman Empire. I mean, it changed drastically so much. We're going to learn in this series that there's never been, listen, if you're not a believer, you can argue as much as you want, but there are facts and there has never been ever a movement in human history to multiply as quickly as Christianity and especially under an oppressive empire. And Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who is an old dead guy that you don't care about, said this, this is the message of Christianity. This is what has made the church what it is. Do men and women need to be told about some kind of program that will give them a better life? This is not our greatest need. Our greatest need is to know God. If we were all given a fortune, would that even solve our problems? Would that solve our moral problem? Would that solve the problem of death? Would that solve the problem of eternity? Of course not. The message of Christianity is not about improving the world, but about changing people in spite of the world, preparing them for glory that is yet to come. This Jesus is active and acting to that end, and he will go on until all the redeemed are gathered in, and then he will return, and the final judgment will take place, and his kingdom will stretch from shore to shore. That is the message that turned the ancient world upside down. Do you know how I know that that's true? It's 2019 in September and you're in Popper Bluff and we're reading about it. How incredible is that? Over thousands of years that this message has become true. But we have a problem with our priorities, right? Because look at what happens in verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? That's a loaded question. You know what they're asking? Hey, 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 is this a political thing? Is this an ethnic thing? Is it just us, right? Do you know what they did? They shifted from pointing to Jesus, and then they did this, which is the human problem. Me? It's about me, Right? Hey, Jesus, I know that thing that you're doing is great, but I don't think it's a necessity. I actually think it's an accessory because I have my life and my plans and I got the retire and I got the thing with the stuff and then the dog and then the boat and then the place by the lake if the loans go down on the interest rates and all that stuff. And then we got all this and then I would love for you to bless us because that's fairy dust, right? And look at Jesus' mic drop answer. He said to them, be quiet. That's in the Greek there in verse 7. It's, <laughs> it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Listen, 
The reason I'm making such a big deal about this is the disciples at the moment of the ascension still struggled with wrong priorities. And it is going to be a fight for us as a church not to just drift into maybe good things. Maybe they're good. Maybe these things and these paths and these programs are good, but is the goal to point to Christ? Is it what God has called us to in this season? We must have right priorities, but the bottom line and the base of all of this is that we have to have the right power. That we have to have the right power. He gives it to us in verse 8. It's the thrust and the outline of the entire book of Acts. But you will receive power, dunamis, dynamite, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And then in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, that's literally the outline of the book of Acts. The book of Acts births there in Jerusalem and then goes out and then goes out and then goes out across the entire globe as we know it now. But do you know what's so scary for me in 2019? So scary for me in 2019 that I don't think that we actually depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit I think that we think that if we get the band and then the speaker and then the lights and then do the graphic and then get the sign that lights up, then we leave and go. We think, whew, that was it. We experienced God. But in reality, what we see in Ezekiel, in the Old Testament, he gets a vision. And it's a valley of dry bones. And there's miraculous things that happen. God makes the bones come together. And then skin comes on the bones. And then all this miraculous stuff. But you know what? Do you know where it doesn't stop? Ezekiel looks at all the miraculous things that happen. And then he turns to God and says, but there's no spirit within them. And I think the church in 2019 has gathered dry bones. And they put skin on it. And they put muscle on it. And then we've backed away and we've become content. But rather there's another step. And it is the very Spirit of God. The third member of the Trinity. The same Spirit that breathed and hovered over creation. Is the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And is the same Spirit that now dwells within our bodies. That is unbelievable for us. And the power and the change that comes with that. Listen to me. That is what will change Westside. That is what will change Popper Bluff. That is what will change the world. Is to beg and to plead that God would breathe the Spirit over us. And it's not seen in dumb stuff that you've seen on TV and abuse and this, that, and the other. But what I see is, do you know what the word witnesses is in the original? Do you know what the point is when you point? The original word for witnesses is martyros, which is where we get martyr from. Oh, you didn't sign up for that? Listen, it's not seen, the Spirit of God is not seen when things are always going well in the mountaintop. Jesus is saying that the Spirit will most be seen in your life when suffering comes. Because suffering is the great leveler. Because when suffering enters in, our idols that are no longer stable will crumble. When words like death and cancer and bankruptcy and divorce and addiction creep in, all of a sudden everything becomes on level ground. And Jesus says in those moments is when the Spirit shines the most. That's what He says, that when you light a lamp, you don't put it under a basket but you let it shine. And listen to me in 2019. This is the sentence for us. The ordinary people of God 
equipped with the Word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, will accomplish extraordinary things for God. And I see that here. Oh my goodness, I see it. I want to see marriages restored. I want to see hearts and minds transform with the Word of God. I want to see those babies back there in the nursery raised up to be disciples who are equipped with the Word of God and the Spirit of God and then to send them out. Listen to me. That can happen. That can happen. And we have to have the right priorities and we have to have the very Spirit of God to do that. I'm going to close with these words. This message that turned the ancient world upside down is the only message. And I want to ask you a simple question today. What does this message mean to you? What is your idea of Christianity? What do you think the business of the church is? Do you say, I don't want your sermons or your programs. I don't want any of this. I just want to feel good, say my prayers, and pay my respect as if it were to God before I go out. Is that it? Do you think Christianity is something that you can take up and use as a minimum and hope that it will somehow put you right? Or is it, is it the most beautiful, amazing, and astounding thing that ever happened or ever will happen to you? Is it the thing by which you live, the thing by which you long to know and experience more and more? Do you realize that this Jesus came in the world to save you from sin, death, and hell, the punishment from our sins and mine? that we so richly deserve, do you realize now that the essence of Christianity is not that it calls you to do something, but rather that it tells you what Christ has come in the world to do for you? That is the essence of the message of Christianity. And listen to me, I believe when that message, equipped by the Word of God and empowered by the Spirit of God, breathes on the ordinary people of God, extraordinary things will be accomplished. So the goal for us as a church and the question that resounds in this place today is this. Does my life glorify Christ? God has given you money so that you use money in such a way that money is not the goal. God has given you children so that in such a way as you parent your children, your children are not the goal. God has given you singleness so in such a way that singleness is not the goal, but that all of those things would rather point to the person of Jesus Christ. That everything that I have points to Jesus. So the question that we ask today is this. Does my life glorify Christ? Heavenly Father, we come before you today grateful. So grateful to see God, I was so moved by your word to understand that in these verses, all 11 verses, Jesus, you're mentioned. It has got to be the priority for us as a church. And God, I pray that you would purge by your holy fire, purge any wrong priorities of us, of a body of believers out of us. That if the disciples struggled with this in this passage, who are we to say that we will not but rather that the works and the word of Jesus, they would be our priority. And oh God, please today and continue to breathe your Holy Spirit upon us that our lives would be transformed, equipped by your word, empowered by your spirit. And God, I pray that we would not know the effects of what's taking place at Westside on this side of eternity. That they would be so great that they would go beyond anybody's name, any geographical location, 
but it would all point to you. Holy Spirit, have your way with us today. We pray this all in the holy and in the precious and in the resurrected name of Jesus Christ. Amen.